0: Welcome to the Happyish Ever After Podcast. I'm your host, Tatiana Robertson. And yes, you heard right, happy-ish. Because this podcast is not about chasing the fairy tale. Our purpose is not to find Prince Charming and live in a castle. Our purpose is to live our own true story. But how do we do that with the overwhelm of the daily grind? Here on Happyish, I talk to so many amazing people, and we aren't just here to inspire you. We are here to give you tangible takeaways that you can use to create a life that you love, a life where you have tools to improve your mental and physical health, a life where you are the center of the story. The fairy tale was never real, and that's the good news, because that means that you can take the pen and write your own story. Now let's get started and see where this takes us. Welcome back, everyone, and welcome back to a tell. I am so excited to have you back on. If you missed her episode, go back to episode 11 and you're going to hear an amazing amount of wisdom from this wonderful woman. But she's come to talk to us about something a little different today. Last time we were talking about relationships and addiction and what it's like when you are in a relationship with an addict and how to help yourself, but actually Dr. Light as we should call her, has just finished her PhD in positive psychology, and I knew that so many of you would want to hear about this because there's been a lot of talk about toxic positivity recently. And Atel is going to be here today, and she's going to talk to us about positive psychology and how it is not the same as toxic positivity at all. And she's going to explain to us how it can really help us every
1: day. Welcome. I'm so excited to have you back. (laughs) Positive faces. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much for having me back. I really enjoy being at your show, your questions, uh, what it intrigues after the listeners. Um, Thank you so much for having me here. And yes, positive psychology. You know, it's interesting because you said she's going to talk about something else, but I do talk all the time about positive psychology. Maybe I don't name it like that, uh, but I do. And interestingly enough, people are geared more towards, let's talk about the narcissist. Wow. If I would say now this is a show about how to treat a narcissist versus positive psychology, so many people will go and listen to the narcissist. Why? Our brain it really wants to hear about the negative what is not good what are what is the problem what is the issue the challenge the obstacle this is what we're trained to go to
0: that's just how the brain works is it like does the brain sort of naturally like it's not a
1: character flaw yeah it's kind of the way we're set up isn't it This is the way that we are trained and training ourselves. Okay. We'll talk about how to retrain the brain. And I'm not saying we have to sit at home and hum all day. I'm happy. I'm happy. We'll talk about it too. Because oftentimes this is, you know, the myth about positive psychology. People think, oh, positive psychology is people who are on vacation, drinking their, you know, whatever, and looking at the ocean. Not at all. It's really the umbrella of how we are going to prevent the stress, the anxiety, and the challenges of life. It doesn't mean that it's not going to happen, right? So let's say we have a scale, you know, minus to zero to plus, okay? Mm -hmm. So now all the psychology until now, until actually 1998, which uh, positive psychology was established by Martin Seligman, until now, everything was how to prevent, how to prevent, how to get people into the zero so we are in the negative, we are in stress, we are in anxiety, mm. we have depression, we have addiction. How can we get everyone into the zero? But what happened after the zero? Are we are going to be like, okay, I'm going to leave my life with a zero or minus aiming into the zero? How about if sometimes I want to leave in the plus? Mm. And this is where come positive psychology. So positive psychology has a few meanings. One is Let's help getting from negative into a zero, right? Mm -hmm. It's like if you have depression, if you have anxiety, if you have like this issue that comes all the time, let's help. And we will talk about the tools in a second.
0: So is zero like a neutral mindset where you're not feeling bad, but you're not necessarily feeling tickled pink either? Exactly.
1: Yeah. Just sort of neutral. Okay. Okay. I got it. You know, always, but today it's like, you know, psychology and medicine really geared into what is wrong. You know, most of the research and the articles, that's why I went to study positive psychology is what is wrong. Do you know how many studies are being written about buzzwords? Give me buzzwords which are in the negative. Obsessiveness and narcissism is
0: like the flavor of the day. It's like every other person on the street. I swear to God, 10 years ago,
1: I had never heard of it except for the Greek myth. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it really breaks my heart. I I do reply to people on social media about it, you know, and I said, how about concentrating on ourselves, which is back to positive psychology, right? How about Mm. looking on me? And we will talk about it. But yes, so the first reason is to take people, you know, from this negative into the zero. But the second is to take people not from only that, but really is that to change the pendulum if you're thinking about it. So it's not only and the negative but maybe it can be also a little bit on the positive meaning we can't really live always on the positive right but how do we go negative zero positive we forgot okay we yeah. forgot we can be in the positive we actually shame people we say oh i'm so happy you know this is something that we have to to look at right and for me the third reason is really to bring out psychology as in a new realm, because until now we have psychology. I mean, how many people reading really research? I mean, uh, somebody said that there was actually a study being done about how many people reading research papers, right? Mm -hmm. It's about the average, right? I'm talking about the average is seven, when probably three of these people are family members, right? So people really don't have, like, I'm talking about typical people, don't have an access, you know, to read a study, to read a research. It's It's been written in really high words. Let me tell you, I was working really hard on it for the last two years.
0: I'm going to confess, I read the executive summary, and I hope that that is well written so that I understand yes. what they were doing, how they did it, and where they got to without getting into the details. <laughs> But, you know, can I just say one of the things that I that really strikes me immediately when you're talking about how all of our focus, it's like we've put it in this area where psychology and psychiatry are about treating an illness as opposed to bettering the quality of our life.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Bettering, maintaining and aiming into it right? And this is the goal. And what I didn't say about the, uh, the goal about psychology is, on the other hand, we are kind of like depending on pop psychology. And pop psychology, if you go to any library or in any bookstore, an Amazon bookstore, mm-hmm. there's so many how-to which are not written by therapists or psychologists and not based on research. Here, positive psychology is almost kind of like the mix of both of them because it is based on research Right. Mm-hmm. And it is something that people, sorry. And it is based on things that people, you know, are very curious about. So I call it like the pop research psychology when it's really about the positive. So it's really about concentrating on your well being, on your self esteem, and on your relationships. Because think about it when my well being and my self esteem and my relationships are not only in the negative or the zero, but in the plus. How is that going to affect my life? I'm going to live more on a satisfied, serenity side of life. Yeah. And this is really the goal. Okay, you've sold me. I want to do this.
0: (laughs) I want to do this. I'm like, okay, okay. So I want to be more on the positive side. The other thing, and I know you haven't used this word, so I don't want to, but it sounds to me like you're building resilience by taking these positive actions. That's what it sounds like.
1: Yes. And, and you said the keyword without even noticing. You said, I want to be more on the positive side. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's not that I'm going to be always, I'm not going to be happy. Like people ask me, okay, Atil, so are you happy? I don't know if I'm happy. I'm happier. Yeah. You know, yes. There are moments that I'm frustrated. There are moments that I'm stressed. There are moments that I'm, you know, even angry. Yes. It's okay to be angry, but I'm happy year because I am putting, you know, my points in my positive, I'm putting my points, my little cards in my positive bank account. So when I feel angry and frustrated and stressed, I have the tools that I practiced when I wasn't. So I know immediately how to use it instead of like, Oh my God, I'm in crisis. I'm going to die. (laughs) This is the generation. It's like, they don't even know how to do it. It's like, I'm going to, what am I going to do with all that? And immediately what they do is, the easiest thing, and I see it in social media, again, it breaks my heart, is blame. Oh, it's because of her. She's crazy. Oh, it's because of him. He's a narcissist. And then we're not taking any responsibility to take care of ourselves. It's always somebody's fault. It's always someone's fault. Within, it's actually our own thing. And, you know, I've showed it to you last time. Let me show it to you again. You know, what I'm holding now is the mirror and the magnifying glass. This is for me the biggest tool, you know, put down the magnifying glass and pick up the mirror. Mm -hmm. Your life is going to be so much easier instead of living in the victimhood and what they did instead of, okay, what can I do for me? And I know it's not sexy. You know, it's much sexier to say and to blame and to fault someone else because. I don't have to take responsibility. How sexy is that to say, okay, I need to like do something for myself now, right? So it sounds like in order to
0: actually achieve more on on the positive side, and I like the fact that you say to be positive, not to be happy, because as we know, it's the happiest ever after, because I actually think that the constant seeking of trying to be in a constant state of happiness is actually really detrimental, because then every time that you're, not happy, and happiness is a fleeting feeling, Mm -hmm. then you're somehow failing. But really, you're just trying to be happy-ish. You can create everything that you want. It's all there for you. The hard thing is that to attain the positive, like more positive in your life than negative, Mm -hmm. it means that you are the one who can actually make that happen. Yeah. That in spite of all of the negative things that might happen in your life, because crappy things happen like that's the reality really devastatingly awful things happen in life and some of the people that you see who write from such a place of of joy and love have seen some of the most horrific
1: things yes in the world when people are in the you know bottom side of their life is usually people that lost something so it could be a loss of a person it could be a loss of a job could be loss of finance, it could be loss of their own health. You know, this is really the deepest crisis of someone when they're losing. So they can, you know, it's almost like losing your identity or losing someone that is really important for you or losing the count in your life. Because now instead of, you know, going to work, you have to go to do chemo every three weeks and you cannot even work. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting how these people, No, like let's talk about like the people who has cancer. These are the people who find, who find the way to look at the brighter side because they practice positive psychology, because all of a sudden they're giving the gift of time. Which people, I don't have time, I don't have time to meditate. I don't have time to, I don't have time. But if they're giving the time to actually, okay, so this is what I have now. What is actually, what is actually the the good thing about it, mm-hmm, right? And not everybody does. Yeah.
0: like definitely not everybody does. Like, if going through a crisis is not the way to find your joy, if you can avoid it. But I know, and and yes, and because cancer has touched my family, and my sister and I have talked about the fact that our mother received a terminal cancer diagnosis, and we were we were blown away. We marvel at her, at her resilience, but actually, every interaction with her is so joyful. She feels, I don't know if she feels this way, but I feel in her presence that she is more grounded and content and on that positive side of the spectrum than she has ever been at any point in her life, which is so ironic. We share the same story, Tatiana. My mom is also
1: sick for three years. We share the same story. Oh,
0: I'm not surprised, but it's amazing when you see this because we all have somebody in our life or have been somebody who has had something really deeply, powerfully traumatic that has happened or a loss or a loss of a loved one. And you see these people and you go, what is it that for some, the resilience and the strength comes out and for others, they get sucked into the despair. And so is that where positive psychology
1: comes to play? Exactly. So could be, I don't know that they had in their basket, some tools from before that now they're using it because they invested in that. Hmm. That they're seeing the present. I can't talk about everybody, but this is exactly the realm of feelings. Let me go even actually and shift it 180 degrees, like to the other side, right? Okay. I have many new parents in my practice because that's uh, my half of my practice. And the one suggestion that I give them is like, now you're going to feel a realm of emotions. You're going to feel all of the emotions in the next year. And they look at me because, you know, when you think about a parent that have a new child, you know, and the dream is like, oh, they're going to be so happy and elated. And they oh, boy. But it's also, no, it's also frustration and envy and being tired and angry and upset. And that goes not only with the new baby, but think about people who get married. Mm. I mean, this is their wedding. But again, they feel the range of feelings before their wedding. And when we travel, you know, I'm a traveler. I love traveling. And I always tell my kids, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun, but with it. All the feelings, all the rainbow of, of the feelings that it's going to come. We're going to feel frustrated and tired and upset. So in every given time, there is not only the frustration or the anger or the envy or being tired, but also the other side in every event in our life. And this is what we have to actually look at to give ourselves the permission. And this is the biggest word that I want to reach is the acceptance. Is the self-acceptance to feel what I feel. Mm -hmm. What I tell my clients all the time, that's my adult clients, feelings are not facts. And the more we suppress them, the more we're going to suppress them being upset or angry and not give it a space, it's going to gash out. On the other hand, the more I'm going to give it some, this is what ruined my life right now. I'm so upset with him. He ruined my life. He did that. This is also going to be big. Mm. So just see things as they are. Oh, yep, I'm tired right now. But does that mean that I have, people say, oh, I have such a crazy day. It's a bad day. I can start my day at 4 p.m. and allow different emotions and different experiences come and not close it into, I had a horrible week. This week is going to be terrible for me so how do you make that switch
0: if say you're one of those people and maybe you're listening and you recognize and you're like oh i'm that person something happens i know that sometimes i am Mm -hmm. like it's like it's the straw that broke the camel's back yes i'm a parent hoping my other parents out there are with me on this but you just have that one and you just sort of go like oh my
1: god the whole world's against me like that's what it feels like in the moment oh so these are kind of like and this is where we get into the tools this is to have your tools that you practice when you're not in the negative because if you're in a negative if you're upset or something you know someone hurt your feelings or you didn't succeed in a big project that you're waiting for and then you're like okay give me the tool what is the tool you know It's not really going to work. But if you practice all these little things when you're not in the zero, when you're not in the negative, then often you'll come to the zero faster. Some people know that, right? For example, writing a gratitude list. Mm. I write my gratitude list every night, every night. I do it now for eight years, even more. But I don't write it about my house and my kids and uh, my health. I mean thank god this is for me something that is all the time i write the things that happen today Mm -hmm. so today i actually just when i got into my car i got a big thing your left rear tire is have no pressure like oh my god i have to deal with it i went to the local mechanic and i had a nail in my tire and thank god it's only a nail he patched it for twenty dollars and i'm done this is a big gratitude can you imagine I'm not having like to deal with a car and rent a car and all that thank you I'm so happy twenty dollars I'm f- it's fixed mm-hmm. things like that. It's interesting when you ask children every night this is for the parents who you talked about when I say children it could be children at a young age at teens when you have um the rhythm to ask them every night every day some sort of time like what are they grateful for and really say what are you grateful for today? It's amazing because what happens to the brain, the brain throughout the day will seek the things that I'm grateful for today. <sighs> a sublim- subliminal message. So it's what happens to my brain or the brain of people who write their gratitude every night, you know, without even noticing it. I'm like, throughout the day, I'm like, oh, I was grateful for that. I'm going to write it. Oh, and I was grateful for this. So do it with your children and you will see how they will look for the good part, you know, Always look at the bright side of like. That's exactly it. That makes
0: so much sense because you as a parent, it's hard to not think about the things that we're grateful when we're saying it with our kids. But also, you're developing the neuropathways. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what you're doing? We're We're creating that pathway in our brain and when i think about neuropathways and this just excites me so much because this has really only been in like the last 15 20 years that we realize that the brain is so malleable and we can create new pathways i think of it as like you know when you're you're driving somewhere and then you don't remember getting there and you're kind of like okay that probably wasn't a good idea but actually you know how to get there it's actually very simple because you've You're used to where you turn, where the stop sign is. You did actually stop at the stop sign, even though you don't remember. (laughs) But that's a neural pathway that you have traveled because you travel the same way to work every day. And it's just like how it's all flustering when a road is shut down and you weren't expecting it because there's construction happening or there was an accident. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God, now I need Google Maps or something. But when we start to develop those pathways then what i'm hearing is when we have one around gratitude is that we can actually more easily go down that pathway when we're actually in a time of stress so if there was an emergency and i had to get to the office i could get there really quickly because i know so if i want to get to that okay where's my source of gratitude if i've been practicing that when i'm not stressed then i can boom get on a fast train straight to the gratitude
1: exactly the example that I give is, you know, for anyone that, you know, ski, you know how, you know, everybody goes in the same ski race. Oh, yeah. But at first, it's really hard to create this path because, you know, it's like the, the first person and then the second person, it's the first time you write a gratitude, it's the second time, you know, and the third and the fourth, and then whoops, that's it, you go there. Because the path is already made. This is the pathways in your brain. Exactly. So at first, it looks like, oh, how would I do it? Right? It's like waking up in your new home. You're like, where am I? Oh, it's my new home. Mm. It's like you know, and then it's so you do everything so naturally. You know exactly where is what. You know where the cab. Everything looks naturally to you, exactly with these behaviors that are new for many people. We started the conversation with, oh, people are naturally geared into the negative. But it's not. It's the way we train our brain. Mm-hmm. It's the way we train and our parents trained us. And that's what we learn not only from our families, but also from the media, from social media. So stop looking for the hashtag narcissist and maybe start looking on other tools that can help you like gratitude, not only in Thanksgiving, not only in Thanksgiving. Another tool that I love, I mean, there's so many, and I'm going to say a few, uh, we said gratitude meditation and by the way meditation you don't have to sit and hum for me journaling is a way of meditation i do both you know uh, people like journaling just sitting and being in a quiet for one minute will help you be in the quiet mm. for one minute and you know if people cannot do it just sit for a minute and just see what am i feeling what am i feeling 60 seconds what am i feeling and then take this permission to real life. what am i feeling oh so easy, easy, easy meditation, working out, eating well, all that mm-hmm. are, you know, realms of uh, positive psychology. One of my favorites is to look for something that is meaningful and pleasure in your life. I want to say this again. So it's meaningful and bringing pleasure into your life. Mm-hmm. For example, I know meaningful is, I mean, I don't like politics at all, you know, but politics could be may- maybe something meaningful to some people, right? Is that bringing pleasure? Uh, Nope. <laughs> right? Like I don't know. I mean, some people have pleasure in really. it. Or, you know, um watching the sunset every night. Oh, wow. That's really like bringing pleasure to my life. It, that is have meaning, like to do it like for free. For me, teaching has meaning and a pleasure. Mm. It's something that I... Really love doing. That's why I went to do my PhD. I'm teaching at the university. I work with my clients. I work with the families. I have so much meaning and pleasure at the same time. Find something that has both of them and do it. Some people are very lucky because their profession has meaning and pleasure in it. Mm -hmm. Some people find a hobby or a volunteering or something that has both of it a meaning and a pleasure. And that's really positive psychology because if you do it enough times, right then you have something meaningful in your life something that brings pleasure
0: okay right so is positive psychology based on the idea of adopting habits and a lifestyle that support having pleasure and meaning in your life
1: yeah it's really concentrating as i said in the beginning your well-being your self-esteem, and your relationships. We would even talk about your relationships, right? Okay. Your well-being, your self-esteem. We talked about the well-being, physically, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, right? That's why all the buzzwords are now self-love, self-work. That's it. That's positive psychology. This is it. Mm -hmm. Self-esteem, right? And definitely the relationships in your life. Because when your relationships, you are done fixing the negative all the time to bring it into zero and you enjoy a relationship which is a plus Mm -hmm. this is when your life have pleasure and meaning yeah right think about you can have a meaningful relationship but has no pleasure you can have a fun boyfriend or husband and wife which is all pleasure but there is no meaning there is no deep conversations there is no attachment right or you can have both and most people when they have both this is when they're happier. And that's why they're happier. They're not happy, but, you know, happily ever after, right? Mm-hmm. They're happier. They take it into heart and it brings something into them that they don't concentrate always on putting off fires with someone that you love. Yeah. Many people ask me their relationship. So do I stay with him? Do I stay with him, you know, or with her? You know, this is a big question for many. And my question is always, is it meaningful to you? And you know we go into that deeply, and then what is the pleasure? And if they're both, yes, it's a definitely a relationship to keep because no relationship is always on the positive. It's always going to be like our emotions on a range, right? But the idea is to pay attention to both sides. Oh, that like that just
0: sorry, I'm I'm almost speechless because I'm just like doing this like flash through my brain about like. Calculating. Okay, past relationships. Which categories? And I, I'm like, oh, I'm seeing a trend. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, but that's just a totally different lens that I had not brought to my relationships
1: before. Yes, and that was really helpful. Great. I hope that our listeners too will think about it and uh, really look at the relationship in a different way. It's not about what he or she did to me. It's not about the labeling. Is what do I find in this relationship? Because it could be that one of the people will find meaning and pleasure on the other, but the other person will find only one of them. Mm. And that's also not going to go. It's only when both people feel find the meaning and the pleasure with both. This is a great relationship and to strive there. And that's why invest not only in bed, of course, that I. On also in bed, that's the pleasure, right? But also invest in other places and find what can you do together to make this relationship work in a meaningful way. Do you see it's always together? Yeah. Isn't that magic? And I know many people listen to it and I'm like, oh my God, yes.
0: I also think about, um, you know, the concentric circles of friendship. I can't even think of how many times that I have talked about it on this podcast because I just, you know, you being at the center. And I think that's really critical for anybody that's in the inner circle, and to be okay with the fact that not everybody is meant to be in your inner circle. Mm-hmm. If you have those friends that are, you're like, oh, we have a great time, you know, and I really enjoy their company, but maybe we don't have these deep philosophical conversations. That's okay. Mm-hmm. They probably aren't going to be in your very innermost circle because there won't be a mutual nurturing that, that happens through having a meaningful relationship, as well as the, the enjoyment of, you know, the companionship.
1: Yeah. And, you know, this is where people will start living their life from within and not people please all the time. Mm. Because the fear of telling a person, it's not even telling, but getting further from a person is like, I don't want to hurt their feelings. They will get hurt and they will think that I, and it's what about they, instead of like, okay, what about me? You know, the more you, you know, they say, look at your five people around you. This is who you are. So look, who are the five people around you? Are they really fulfilling something that is meaningful and pleasure in your life? You know? I feel like we're
0: at a really unique time too, because uh, for some of us, we're still fairly, like- I, maybe not isolated, but maybe not as socially engaged as we were before 2020. And so when you're sort of venturing out into the world and to be purposeful in the people that you surround yourself with, because when I think of my five, I'm still thinking I spend an awful lot of time with my kids Mm -hmm. in this house, you know, because things have shifted where I'm working from home. And so I'm really, uh, purposeful. When I reach out to friends and make connections and make plans with them, I prioritize who I do that with because I'm not—I have vulnerable people in my community, and so I'm not fully engaged out in the community like I was prior to 2020.
1: Yeah, and it be as you know a positive thing that happened from you know the time of quarantine and pandemic because now we are more uh, picky. I would say the word picky of who are we spending our precious time with. Mm-hmm. Well, what do we want our circles to be or reflective yeah and where is our energy exactly and reflection as i said it's part of journalism and you know it's a tool in positive psychology just oh okay what is really good for me you sound amazing i know I do, not many people do that still many people would just be whoever invites them or go with or whatever the flow is because, again, they are afraid of rejecting. They're afraid of being alone, which is not like lonely, right? They're afraid of instead of, oh, that's what I want. Because guess what? You're going to let this person go. Another person is going to come. They will. This is
0: the energy. That's why I, I, I've talked so much about the concentric circles also with my children. And I said, you know, everybody can't be in the inner circle because there is literally not enough room mm-hmm. because the circle's small around you. Now you can have a next layer, but you can't maintain that same intensity and contact with the next layer as you can with those that are in the innermost circle. So that's why those are the ones that you want to be really selective. Are you having conversations and spending time in a way that is like values driven? So I was using different words to what you're talking about with having meaningful relationships. Like, but I love that you also talk about Not just meaningful relationships, but pleasure too. Yes. Because in a way, I know like it seems so obvious talking to you. I'm like, well, of course we would have that. But I've never thought about it that way because I'm thinking, okay, so actually saying the pleasure that I have actually means that I'm not obligated, right? It's not that I have to do it for them or for Mm -hmm. them not having hurt feelings. But I actually, me actually saying I deserve to have relationships that are not only meaningful, but actually like you can have a meaningful relationship where you have really intense maybe philosophical discussions and they they feel really good and sort of an academic level but you don't actually feel good about yourself when you're with them necessarily
1: and that's that's not
0: pleasurable
1: so and relationships are like that for example for many people the relationship at workplace they're only meaningful mm-hmm. you know their boss it's you know it's not necessarily pleasure to be with their boss or with any colleague But it's meaningful because that provides money. That's something that they do. It's their position, uh, but they're not pleasure. And that's fine too to have, Yeah, right? And it's also okay to have only pleasure uh, relationship. For example, if people are in a... uh, Um, I want to say book club, but book club is both meaningful and a pleasure. Going dancing. You know, I love dancing. I know you can see it on my um, social media. I love dancing. All of my friends that I dance with are meaningful friendships. No, but I'm having both and just making sure that I invest in things that are giving me both or I do for me things that are both. This is what's important. And this is just like to look at things different is the awareness. You know, I know that another buzzword is self-awareness. This is exactly self-awareness. When Mm -hmm. I do that, I can look at myself and accept instead of being in a judgment. It's so easy to say, oh my God, I don't have friends. And oh my God, this person is like, it's the judgment. It's the self-loathing. It's the chatter in the brain that always wants to say, I didn't do it good and I'm not happy. This is when you just look at things as is, you know, my uh, parenting classes, my parenting courses, one key chapter is about feelings. My 16 months, and I want to say again, 16 months old, they're not even a year and a half. They know all the feelings with signing and saying it as they grow. And they can say, I'm frustrated. And the parents is like, you are frustrated. And now we're going to go to toxic uh, positivity, which I really want to talk about, right? Right. Or, you know, they say, um, you know, I can't do it, or I'm sad, or I'm upset, and it's okay. Nobody needs to patch it. It's the self-awareness of a 16-month-old that will grow to know at any given time that they have feelings, and it's okay to have these feelings. And this is exactly the difference between positive psychology and toxic positivity.
0: Okay, I'm ready for this. (laughs) I worry that I've had the two of them confused in my brain. And I saw something that you'd put on Instagram and I was like, I haven't understood this. I gotta talk to Atal. And I think that yeah. I'm not alone. Like I'm hoping I'm I'm yes. not the only one and that other people are getting as much from this as I am right now because you're blowing my mind. You. Okay.
1: You know, and it it is confusing many people because first of all, it's a new concept. You know, it just started in you know, 1998. It's a new concept. And when people, positive psychology, they think that it's like the happy, lovely person always like, oh, it's okay. Oh, don't be so sad. The world is shining and we're pink all the time. And we're, you know, and when you see someone that is very, you know, sad, a friend, some people do, oh, it's going to be okay. Many parents who pick up their baby when they're crying, you know, they do like this rocking and they say, why? What what do they say when they rock the baby? It's,
0: it's okay. okay. It's okay. Oh, don't cry, baby. Don't cry. So is that leaning into toxic positivity? it. Exactly. Because here's the thing. You're denying their feelings. Maybe it's
1: not okay. Yeah, it's denying the person. This is exactly all of my, you know, what I'm talking with my parenting classes. Mm. It's really try not to do that. Okay, it's okay. When a child is crying, yes, definitely attend to their feelings, but don't run to solve it. Do you see the difference between positive psychology and toxic positivity? Mm -hmm. If they struggle to open the toy and they're crying, you go next to them and say, oh, you're frustrated trying to open the box. I can see that. That's validating the feelings, every feeling. But don't try to fix it to happy so you soothe yourself. Mm -hmm. Because when I try to... Fix someone so I can be suited. I do that with a baby and then I find an addictive relationship and I try to fix them all the time so I can be suited. Or I can say to a baby, oh, you're struggling, you're frustrated. And the babies, I'm signing now to whoever doesn't see us, like they're signing, I'm frustrated. They're so cute. And they learn that it's okay to be frustrated. Now, what do I do with that? It's okay as an adult to be angry, to be upset, to feel challenges, but now what do I do with that? A toxic positivity will be, don't worry, it will be fine. You'll fix this relationship. Don't, you know, don't. Something Oh, how do you feel about it? What do you feel right now? And the key to that, hold on, hold on, we didn't finish. The key to all that is that my actions are not going to be dictated by my feelings. Okay. I'm going to repeat it. My actions, I'm not going to do my next action upon my feelings. This is the key for me. So when a child is crying and they can't open the, I don't know, the box, and I'm saying, oh, you're frustrated, what is the action? You step in to help them. Yeah, and all my kids, my babies, they know the sign for help. And even if they can't say the word help, they're signing help. And the parent's are like, oh, you need help. I'll help you. So they learn that, yes, I feel frustrated. I'm upset. I'm sad. I can't open the box. But what is the action? The action is, I'm going to help. Yeah,
0: that is amazing. And it sounds so straightforward again. But as a parent of three, believe me, I see, uh, I don't think I have many regrets. Actually, I don't because I don't see the purpose of it. I mean, yesterday was yesterday. There's not anything I can do. But If I'm truly honest, there's a part of me that's like, if I knew what I know now, when I was a parent with young children, I would have done a lot of things differently. And that's just, that's the way it is. And that's the way it is. I have, right, just recently, I've been working through some grief of that. Mm -hmm. And there isn't anything that I can do about the past. I know that I have feelings about the fact that I feel I did things wrong. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just feeling the feelings and just saying, okay, so now that I know better, I'll
1: do better. So let's even let's talk about that. So what is so you you acknowledge your feelings, you have grief on what you did or didn't do on their babies and children. And what is the action? So the action is actually, your kids are older, right? They're teens, I, I believe.
0: Yeah. And one in particular was a very, what would be described as a needy or demanding baby. Yeah. Escalate to screaming for me and at me. Yeah. And I would become highly overwhelmed. I had another baby. I was in graduate school. I had long hours. I was a teaching assistant for research methods and statistics on the side. Like I had all the things and a newborn and I just shut down. And now I recognize that at a very young age, she was already showing indications of her extremely high anxiety that she didn't get diagnosed for a really long time Mm -hmm. and has really impacted her life. And I was blind to it.
1: Because, you know, and this is what I'm taking, the self-judgment and the self-loathing into what it is. Nobody taught you. Yeah. Nobody taught her. And that was it. But what is the action? Because I want to share the action on the feelings because we can talk about it for (laughs) six, seven sessions. (laughs) The Action is maybe to have, I'm not, I I ask how old is she because I don't know how old is she and how, if she can do it or not. But to have the time to talk to her and some time in your both life and to actually tell her all that. And to, you know, say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I didn't know, but that was it. Yeah. And that will bring, that's the action. And that will repair so much between you and her. Because it's nothing that you could have done better. Nobody taught you. It's not, we were born without a booklet, right? This is who we are with everything. That's why we are different parents to different children, by the way. We're never the same parents. We are six. I'm the oldest of six. My mom wasn't the same mom to any of us, right? Yeah. Um, And we are different. To have this closure with her and to the action will be to say, I'm sorry, you know? And depends where she is in developmental, you know, time, you know, when you'll feel it's ready
0: early twenties. So she's definitely there. And I, I try to act with the knowledge that I have today in the interactions that I have with her on a daily basis. And I will recognize when she's being highly responsive and what she's being triggered by. But it's interesting because this particular thought has been bothering me over the past couple of weeks. I, I just kept telling myself, well, I've just got to do my best every day today Mm -hmm. because that's the past. But I hadn't actually thought, oh, what I should do is actually stop right now and have the conversation with her because I didn't think to, because she was pre-verbal when this was happening. Mm -hmm. But pre-verbal doesn't mean that it didn't establish a pattern. Pre-verbal, she got into a pattern of behavior and expectations of how I would react and respond And for me to come back and say that could be really powerful for her as well. Yes. And I didn't make that connection until you just gave me the simple, well, the step would be to simply have the
1: conversation. Yes. Maybe apologize. We have the feelings. And what are we going to do upon feelings? Self-loathe, judge, cry, being the victim, or take an action that can do something else. Right. And exactly with children, this is for adults. You know, they're feeling frustrated and sad and okay, what will be the next action to call him and to tell him that he's like, to look at the narcissist, to to feel the victim or to take a different action that will change it. The action is the positive psychology, Mm -hmm. which we all know, you know, sometimes I have still next to my bed, God is in the pause and God can be replaced with anything universe. God is in the pause. Mm -hmm. When we take the pause, the answers are going to come. And Tatiana, thank you so much for sharing your personal story. I'm with you. I was not the same parent that I'm today with my kids. I was completely after, you know, what their dad is doing and not doing and he is doing. And, and, you know, we had a conversation about it. And my apology for them is verbally, but also I'm a different mom today. Yeah. You know, they actually come to me like, okay, mom, talk to me as a therapist. What would you say? (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So tell me now, don't talk to me like mom, you know, don't do the mom thing, you know, talk to me as a therapist. I'm like, okay, you know, so they trust me enough to come so, you know, I can give them something that I couldn't. I didn't know how to, Tiana. Yeah. I didn't know it myself. So when I got, you know, stronger and I got a little bit more self-aware, paying attention to myself being with more self-esteem, you know, my relationships got better and definitely with them, my relationship got better. Yeah, I love that. Thank
0: you so much for giving me so much of your time, for giving us so much of your time. And I got to say, I feel like you kind of got it, like, you should bill me for this. It was so good. (laughs) (laughs) That
1: was great. And I just want to say, you know, my gift, I always, I, I really, really believe that your work is not done if you're not in service for other people. And I do it in every podcast that I am on. I will choose three people that will either DM me. My social media is at a light, so everybody can go. Either DM me and I will answer the question if they're confused about any relationship they're here and now. If they have any hesitations about a person that they love. If they're struggling in the moment with their child. Or with a partner or any other relationship, I will answer three first. It has to be first because sometimes I get so many. So the first followers that will DM me with a question, I'll be more than happy to answer. And I will send my book, Unaddicted to You, to that's a raffle, to a person that will uh, screenshot our podcast and put it on their social media and tag me at a light and tag and tag me as well and i'll put all this information into the show notes wonderful and just you know people like to hear that but they will give uh, i will ruffle one book for a listener that will put it on our social media Amazing. so that my gift to you everyone so you can be happy yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh thank you so much <laughs> I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Dr. Light. And if you did, it would mean ever so much to me if you would take a moment to follow the podcast and maybe share it with a friend or two. It really helps us grow and reach and support more people. Thank you for being a part of this beautiful
1: community.